people are uh, realizing the power of design, mm. but at the same time, design is becoming more commoditized with tools like Canva and AI and so forth. So the bottom rung is getting more accessible. Hey everyone, in this episode, I'm talking with Jacob Cass, founder of Just Creative. Jacob recently released an industry report specifically on the branding industry and we take a deep dive into the challenges that branding professionals are facing today. Things such as pricing, the rise of AI, how to measure success and a lot more. It's a really fascinating deep dive into the branding landscape. So buckle up and let's talk branding. Hey everyone, today we're talking with Jacob Cass. Jacob has been a long time friend, but he hasn't been on the podcast yet. But for the people that don't know anything about you, Jacob, can you quickly introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Steph. You've been on our podcast, Just Branding, a couple of years ago now. And right. here we are. It's been some time. But for as for me, I am a brand designer. I'm a strategist. Love all things brand design, marketing, business. I do a lot of things. I'll keep this short, but at my heart, I'm a designer. But I love brand, so we'll we'll leave it there, and we can get <laughs> into you know the core topic of today. Exactly. Well, yeah. So so one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you today um, is because you released this this uh, report, the state of brand. I I think that's the name, right? Yep, that's it. Yep. The, you you released this very interesting report. And um, I was triggered by it. You know, I've been in this field for for quite a while. I don't recall how long. But anyway, there was some really interesting stats and facts and insights in there. But maybe if you could, like, give us a, a quick idea of why you did the report and, like, what the goal was of it so we could get into it. Yeah, absolutely. So the state of brand, uh, what it is, it's a report on the latest uh, well, the key trends, challenges, and uh, strategies that branders are, are facing at well, any given time, really. And, you know, as a coach myself, I often hear the same thing over and over. And the five key areas that we really focused on, or six actually, uh, for this report was pricing strategies, the key challenges, uh, client acquisition, like how to get clients, AI and the future of brand, uh, the tools of the trade, and how we learn and develop. So these are the, the big areas that we focused on for this report. And what it was, or what it was, um, sorry, uh, how it worked was we interviewed 267 branding professionals from all over the globe, all different levels, and uh, pretty much crunched all the numbers to get a really informed insight on the landscape of brand and we put together a very comprehensive report on a, on a website as well as a pdf which you can find on at justcreative.com uh, slash state of brand survey or just search it on just creative you can find it there it's all free and yeah there's a, a ton of insights in those keys um those key areas and we'll go through some of those areas today and discuss some of the most interesting insights we we found especially around pricing, I think is most interesting, which we'll get into, and yeah, a few of those other areas. So that's it in a nutshell. There's a lot to, to learn from it, but yeah, let's dive in. Yeah. Well, I mean, first off, I think it's uh, an exciting initiative just to, we don't do it as much as we think. Like we, I think we all have our own, our own ideas about you know however the branding industry is doing and of course we have our own experiences but just 
listening to even if it's like a few hundred people can get you a lot farther than than like um well yeah just just talking to people like before we get into the pricing stuff was there one thing that like surprised you that you didn't expect from the survey you know this is such a it's a global marketplace and we all have different levels and i've been in the game for about 17 years so i'm probably on the more senior side of things so it was you know more of a confirmation for me but you know there was a lot of different professionals here from self-employed to in-house to independents to founders so everyone came from a different background and that was what was most interesting for me is like well how people price themselves what was the average pricing project how they felt about ai and the future and what they were kind of worried about as well i mm. yeah that was pretty interesting for for me yeah well i mean i, f I felt similar it's not like one thing uh stood out so i i totally get you in that sense but there were some things like and and obviously pricing is one of those where where it was clear that I don't know the exact number yet, but uh, a significant portion of the branders, let's call them that, uh, price their projects based on time and effort. Mm. So basically how much they put into it. And why do you think this, let's call it traditional price pricing model is like still the prevailing model? And maybe what are some alternate approaches that you have played around with or know that exist in the industry? Before we get into that, sorry, not to answer straight up, but I wanted to give some context of who who answered this. So there was 267 people that answered this from all across the mm. world, as I mentioned. But in terms of their skill level, I, I just wanted to share the percentages so you know the context. So 30% of them, of the respondents were from the US about 10% yep. rather from UK and 6% from Australia. The rest was from around all other continents. continents. There was 25 countries uh, covered and 56% of them were self-employed, 28% of them were founders and 15% of them were in-house. So mm. that's kind of like a snapshot of who they were. And in terms of experience, more than 50% of them had more than 10, 10 years of experience. 26% uh, have less than five years experience. So we do have run the gamut here and the rest are in, in, in between. So that's, you have to take these results with a grain of salt because it is a very wide gamut, which is great for the, these results. The industries that people worked in, it was also quite across the board. The highest was health and wellness at 13%, nonprofits mm. and social at 12 and tech at 11%. Um, and the rest were all across the board. So super diverse uh, mix of sectors. Now that we know that, we'll jump back to, to pricing. And you, you, you mentioned the fact that 80%, well, I'm going to share that 80% of, of yeah. branders, people that responded, price their projects based on time and effort, not value. So that's the, the challenge here is like, well, how can we shift the conversation to, well, to value-based pricing? And, you know, why aren't more of us doing that? What are your thoughts? <laughs> Turning the tables, right. Um, uh, it's, it's not easy. I mean, I've been in that, like, transition myself from, like, purely hourly base to day base to like something in the middle where it's like project fixed fee which is like still let's say 
my bread and butter for a lot of projects. And then moving over to value-based pricing, my personal approach is like, I don't really, we, we, we played around with it in the agency and for some clients there was like a notion of it where we basically had a an up margin based on like the size of the challenge the size of the company and you know that makes sense if you're going for a hundred million dollar brand you're not gonna price logo design or branding services or strategy the same as you do for small startup or your mom and pop shop so obviously there's a that in there but like the true philosophy of value-based pricing is very hard i think linked to branding services as it's like a very upstream thing it's not because you change your logo that sales are gonna go up in, in fact sometimes it's the opposite if you don't activate it properly so that's the reason why i think like i think it's uh, the philosophy in the back of your mind is great but like really having it as 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 it's true to the philosophy of value-based pricing uh, as a branding i'm not sure how possible it is i know some people obviously do it but i don't know how you you feel about it well i can talk about the challenges that's for sure it, it is mm. incredibly difficult especially for beginners who are still trying to work out their craft and work on their skill set versus just um, trying to work with clients and then putting proposals together and trying to calculate value it can be challenging and intimidating, uh, especially for the beginners and even intermediates. I, I personally am not an expert at it by any means, and it can mm. be challenging as well. I literally did just finish a um, proposal, a retainer kind of proposal that was more value-based. And I had this conversation with the client about like, well, usually I work on an hourly basis. And I use this metaphor that you may have heard of where it's like, well, it's kind of like a meme or a metaphor, I, I don't know, but it's like someone sent a bill and it's like they're trying to sh uh, fix a ship and it's the bill said $1,000 uh, for knowing where to hit the ship, $1 for hitting the hammer. So it's the idea is that the experience yep. knows uh, can take you further and it's not about the, the, um, you know, the act of hitting the hammer, it's knowing where to hit, how to hit, and so forth. So the idea is that we have experience, we bring value to the table it's not necessarily about the hours that we work on it because that actually works backwards. If you have more experience, things will take shorter to do or a short amount of time to do. And, you know, you, you're shooting yourself in the foot. So we do yeah. have to work out other pricing methodologies. And that was what was most interesting about this data brand report was that, you know, the industry is 80% of people aren't uh, working on a value-based method. So... It's definitely yeah. something we need to do more of uh, to increase the value of our work and you know and get paid more as well yeah yeah exactly i mean uh, like one of the things i i love to think about is not just value based as in like what value can you create but actually also what i mentioned earlier about like risk like what risks are you taking mm. by doing this because you know changing how you look for some companies at some stages is not something to take lightly and thus like taking a professional that will think strategically about this it will be worth more than somebody that just goes ahead and does the thing hits the hammer without thinking about it so i think there's there's something there in, as well for branding people listening or, or any marketing people for that matter is like what are you also solving for in terms of being a safe option and and mm -hmm. taking in the full the full context um and and talking about 
pricing again like uh, in the report it, it indicated that 50 percent of branding services fall within the 500 to 5000 range like obviously we have to take into consideration where people live and stuff but given that dom dominantly it was like a let's say western us uh, australia europe yeah. audience like five to call it 5k doesn't take yeah. you very far uh, if you know how long and how deep you work on these things like yeah. do you believe that branding services are undervalued in the market and what factors are contributing to this like price range do you think yeah, there's a, there's a couple of ways to look at this. In the report that we have, you know, different backgrounds, but we also have different durations of projects as well. So it's not just as yep. simple as saying, well, 50% of people work in that range because people may be taking on a lot of small projects more often and doing a very short amount of time. Whereas if you look at it, the data the other way, people that are taking on um, 10K plus projects, they will typically last in four to eight weeks based on the data. Mm. So they're spending significantly more time on it. And if you did four 5K projects in you know, two weeks, that's a pretty good return on mm. you know, your time. So there's a couple of different ways you can think about this. And you really do have to cross-reference the data of, of you know, the length of time, where they're located, and so forth. But the, a significant portion of these branders worked in identity design. And I can get the exact number, but um, I think it was that, 18 or 17 percent were working in identity design and about 16 or 14 percent in strategy as a like yeah service yeah so yeah there's there's those considerations to consider when we talk about pricing mm. so basically uh when both the scope expands in like adding strategy services and the the timeline expands things get more towards the 10k uh budget kind yeah, of averages yep. interesting well yeah i mean it, it totally makes sense as as we said earlier that it's mostly time-based then obviously if the time uh goes up if there's yeah. more time spent then there's more budget to it which is actually interesting because that's where i do think like i agree with you to some extent that yes of course putting in more time uh, it will require and, and a bigger scope it will require more money on the other hand I do wonder, but this is of course depending on on the type of clients you're getting. That even in in like a, a very low range, let's say you're doing for a small company that does I don't know what a, a million or something. I'm not, not saying that uh, smaller companies uh, don't make a, a good buck as well. That's but let's huge say for like some people. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> that's huge indeed. I never made a million, but uh, I'm I'm just comparing like to the average company out here that has like five ten employees you know just a, a decent sized company where you do branding services for i do feel that even like let's say 5k or, or whatever two and a half k whatever sits in the middle of that is like in terms of having when you look at it as like having a good like solid brand identity hopefully even some kind of positioning messaging knowing who you are knowing what you stand for knowing how you look like regardless of the time that's put in do you think that's like and i know this is a very it depends question but do you think in that sense it might be undervalued yeah absolutely i think the whole whole industry is undervalued and that's why i became a, a coach for creators is to help them with the business side of things and so mm. through experience and 
and time of working with clients and understanding the mechanics behind your craft uh, of running a business, I should say, not your craft, that you can really increase the value and, and your income. So mm. absolutely, it's, we're definitely undervaluing ourselves. But I do think things are shifting. Uh, design is, people are uh, realizing the power of design, mm. but at the same time, design is becoming more commoditized with tools like Canva and AI and so forth. So the bottom rung is getting more accessible. So I think small businesses are you know, taking that bottom rung that's maybe junior or midweight designers used to work on and you know the the larger projects are going to the intermediate or senior designers and they're getting um more they're working on more strategic business objectives versus just design i don't want to Mm. sound snobby here but like just design design is very important (laughs) but i think we can provide more value as creatives and designers by helping with the the business side of things and i think that's where the industry is shifting is to provide more value on with strategic questions and design and business and marketing so we're mm. layering on a couple of different um skill sets here but they all intersect and that's what yeah. brand is about and that's what that's what i'm most passionate about is the intersection of all those things so yes absolutely uh, but we have a lot of opportunity to increase our value and uh, income at the same time yeah yeah you touched on a lot of interesting things and and I, I agree that like there is a big challenge when we look at like tools, logo maker tools and whatever, like the, the basic, the lowest rung of the ladder was a year or two years ago. It was so crappy, pardon my French, that like mm-hmm. I wasn't too, too worried. At, like I was like, even at that stage, like yeah. the smallest company should still probably hire somebody to just do very basic stuff. Yep. But at this point, it's it's becoming like there are some tools where you just feel like okay, this is getting yeah, there. Yeah, it's getting pretty so, impressive. Even even Dali is it's pumping out some impressive logo marks you know, based on some pretty basic prompts, uh, which is voila. you know it's it's getting very su- not surprising, but it's it's getting very powerful. Yeah, exactly. And I think like one of the solutions that I think also let, let's say already if maybe even five years ago, I don't know when, when Chris Doe and, and like the future started really talking about this as well, but I know a lot of branding professionals realize that adding strategy to their, you know, their way of working was important to move up the value ladder and to differentiate from, you know, even tools and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in what way do you think that like branding professionals have really embraced that whole strategy and in what way do you think because this is a personal observation but i've seen branding professionals agencies like tackle on strategy but it's really like they just read one book about one framework and they just offer it basically to inflate the value of their branding services while not going deep enough and actually being strategic i don't know what you've seen if you know anything from the report or your own experience but it's just something i've felt sometimes no, I, I feel you. And yeah, there are platforms that did push strategy. And I think that was because of the shift of the uh, commoditization of design. And, mm. you know, we had to level up some way and strategy was one way. And I can't talk for other agencies and their skill set or what happens behind the scenes, but I have noticed that there are more strategists out there uh, 
tacking on the name to their profiles and so forth in a way to, I guess, increase the perceived value of what they do. Mm. I, I get it. I was also roped into this whole idea of strategy. And, you know, I went from a logo designer to a brand identity designer to a brand strategist. And now I'm kind of caught in between like brand designer and strategist myself. There are the distinction I do want to make is that you don't have to become a brand strategist. However, you can become more strategic. Right? There is mm. a difference. And, but that said, if you learn about brand strategy, you can take some of the principles from it and some of the exercises and the theories behind it and bring it to your work. But you don't necessarily have to be a full-blown brand strategist. I think you can be a designer, uh, just a more strategic designer. But yeah, this is kind of getting positioning and semantics right now, but that's my, my take on it. No, but I mean, I think you, you raise an interesting point. And like, I've been uh, teaching uh, younger like students uh, from like about brand strategy a few weeks ago. I did like this, this whole uh, masterclass thing. And it was interesting because it made me think as well about this whole idea of like some people were asking like, ah, do we need to become like a, a strategist for like to, to, to make the big money? And, you know, it's young people. They're interested in all of this stuff. And and also like do we need to level up to strategists? And I was like, absolutely not. Like as you said, like I think there is tr a lot of value even in just creative, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but like the way you frame things and you set up the creative, that's where strategy becomes very important because it allows mm -hmm. you to, you know, make a, a stronger point and make it feel more valuable, but hopefully also actually make it more valuable by being rooted in customer and, and category research and so on. And I think that's where people just need to realize that no, obviously don't don't become a strategist. Like the actually I would put it the other way around. I think the creative output is still what's a lot more valuable than the strategy. Because in a way like it doesn't matter how good the strategy is if the creative output is bad. It's just mm, it's and, and the other <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead, man. T challenge it's, me on this. I, I love yeah, this, this debate. I, I, I think it's a combo for, for sure because I just want, how can I say this? I, I'll share my personal experience because yeah. I did it uh, the other way for many, many years. So hmm. I used to have a, a logo design form on my website and people would fill this out. They'd pump out, um, you know, what they thought that were the right answers. So I'd ask questions like, what color should your logo be? Who is your audience? What makes you different? And they were basically giving me the brief. However, mm. fast forward, say, 10 plus years, I realized I was doing things backwards, right? I should be asking questions on, you know, on a face-to-face -face call, not an email form. I should be... Uh, asking follow-up questions, I should be getting to the root cause of uh, the problem, not just superficial answers that they answer. This I did for like five five plus years. I traveled the world and just had a form. I had no calls <laughs> because I was traveling. I was fully booked, mind you. It was a different time yeah. back then. However, I realize now how wrong that was and how many clients I would have lost and how much value I would have lost in terms of extra um, work and how much I could have given more value to that business uh, and more cash in my pocket in the, for the process too. So that's the, the difference is that 
if you have a stronger brief and you've got to the root cause of the problem uh, by asking the right questions, you're going to have you're going to create a stronger brief, and that allows you to create stronger design work. But yes, you're right that you, the execution is very important, but you have a stronger execution if you have a stronger brief, and that comes from better questions. Mm. And that's the art of creativity and bridging the gap between strategy and design. And that takes experience. And yeah, yeah in hindsight, it's easy to say that. But yeah, I just wanted to share that, yeah, it is, it's very important to have a very solid brief. Totally, and, and not advocating for uh, less strategy. It's like the uh, I'm I've been teaching it and and you know selling courses on it and stuff. But yeah, I I I'm I'm aligned. I think it's just like at a certain point maybe there was the pendulum swung a bit too far in the sense that we got so hyped on this whole strategy train that we forgot that you know the the way the deck is one thing, but mm -hmm. the output is is equally or maybe more important because i've seen personally myself like clients doing an amazing job with a very you know uh like crappy strategy or just no strategy but just very good like ids tactical ids so it's possible mm. but uh, i agree i mean why not do both if you can do it both it, it will be better for sure maybe let's let's shift toward a bit towards ai we have to talk about it we we already touched <laughs> on it but i mean there is no conversation anywhere even at the the family table probably at this yep. point where people aren't talking about it. so maybe we don't need to get too deep into it because because people are aware but obviously there was um a big stat in here 70 percent uh believes in the potential of uh making the work of branding professionals easier like um let's just talk about you how are you currently using AI in your work? I've seen some stuff on LinkedIn. And what yep. do you envision as the future role of AI in the field of branding? Okay, so let me lay this on the table. I'm super passionate and excited about AI. I'm all in for AI. It, it does make your life easier as long as you uh, put the right inputs in. So if you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. And hmm. the, when people are ratting on AI, it's often because they don't fully understand it or they're not using it to its full, fullest potential. And I'm not even scratching the surface either. It's so powerful, the examples I've seen. But mm. for me, what I've been using it, uh, how I've been using it, I've been experimenting with, obviously, ChatGPT, but Adobe's uh, Firefly integration, so generative yep. AI in Photoshop and Illustrator and the web. They have a web version, Adobe Firefly, which is in uh, uh, version 2 now. All very, very powerful. DALI, which is inbuilt into ChatGPT4 now, is very powerful. It is even better than Midjourney, which it was my number one before. Now it is even better than uh, Midjourney, in my opinion. It's super powerful. I also created my own brand bot recently, uh, a couple of days ago, actually, which is a GPT4 um, brand. Basically, it's an expert in branding, design, marketing strategies, um, logo design, brand identity design. Uh, it's been custom trained based on my instructions as well as my articles and eBooks and the parameters mm. that I set into BrandBot. This is also a free uh, GPT that you can access um, from, from my site as well. So if you want to check that out, it's been pretty, uh, I've been pretty astounded with the results. People have been sharing videos and uh, screenshots of what they've been making with it. What they have been doing is 
getting uh, solid design design briefs and then asking it to create mood boards. So asking it, I'm going to say it, I refer to DALI, which is inbuilt mm. into chat DBT, creating mood boards. And then from the image, actually asking it to write a summary of it in text format based on color codes, typography, uh, patterns, textures. And what they can do with that outline is then pass it on to designers that are working you know, at the agency or in-house and have a really solid brief that with pretty detailed uh, direction or creative direction. So the process of creating an identity for a brand or part of the identity has been streamlined just with one you know, tool such as brand hmm. bot. So that was pretty interesting to see. And I love hearing different stories about how people are using it. I use ChatGPT every single day. I, I use hmm. it to summarize things, write social posts, to uh, get uh, ideas, to generate images. I just toy with it to see what is possible. Hmm. And just uh, improving my prompts is, is what I also uh, spend a lot of time on. And a framework that I, I, I do find pretty powerful is to define who you are. You know, this is the, the basics, but defining yep. who you are, you know, I am an, a branding professional. Oh, sorry, defining who the uh, GPT should be, sorry, not yep. who you are. Um, defining who you want, who, sorry, let me start again. Defining what the GPT should act as. So a professional mm -hmm. branding expert, for example, uh, it's going to give you bet, uh, different results. If you said act as a junior designer, it's going to output different results. Or to take this a little bit more extreme, uh, explain branding as a three-year-old to a three-year-old mm -hmm. or explain branding as a marketing professor. You're going to get different results. So that user, those user attributes are really, really important uh, to input into uh, the GPT. Another very important part is defining who you are. So in ChatGPT, there are some custom settings where you can upload uh, information about you, some preferences that you want, some things to avoid, for example. So all these inputs make the uh, AI or GPT better. So that's some tips I've used and how I use AI. I can go into more detail. Um, what else have I used? I've used logo generators. They're not so good. Uh, DALI <laughs> is getting better. Uh, I've experimented with video AI, so typing in a prompt and creating a whole uh, video based on like one single prompt. So <laughs> just to explain this further, I wrote, type, uh, make me a video, a uh, YouTube explainer video of why the Flamingo is my branding studio's mascot. And what it did was stitch, you know, a bunch of different videos together, stock videos. It wrote a mm. script, it narrated the script and explained why the Flamingo was my mascot all within you know, 10 seconds. And that yeah. was mind-blowing. So yeah, it, AI's coming to video. Well, it's already here. So experimenting with that. Uh, Canva has even built, brought in their magic AI. So that's something else to play with. And pretty much every startup on the internet is now calling themselves AI. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, there's, you're spoiled for choice. But it's really about integrating it into your workflow and letting it, um, making a tool that, uh, works for you and not the other way yeah. around mm. yeah so so uh, maybe to summarize i think there there are some areas where you said it's like becoming super valuable one is in the strategy part where you're basically help asking it to help you you know get the right well maybe not data but summarize it in a way and then bridge the gap towards like briefing uh designers and then on the 
design end, it can help you generate imagery, maybe already some some kind of graphics. Um, yep. And then also what you said, like I think, which is a very important point is, and and we'll get into that later, is in the content marketing uh, aspect where you're basically asking it to help you generate content or scripts or whatever it is or summarize long form content into short form content there's i think um a lot of things uh, that are interesting but one thing i wanted to mention also just from my own experience like i've also been uh, playing around with chat gpt uh, assistants or the gpts i don't know what they call they call them but anyway like i think you're right in the sense that what's really interesting is for example, for me, one thing I do a lot is competitive analysis is like you can, if you do this over and over again, you can really give it a set of parameters and way of working. And basically it does like a competitive analysis for you in a framework that you can create. You can either, you know, promote that tool or just use it as like an inter an internal assistant that gets you farther and quicker uh, to the result you want where anybody else can so i think in both ways it's going to be interesting to see how people are gonna either like promote their own like assistants uh, or use them as like hidden uh, hidden boosters uh, <laughs> just just wanted to throw that out there oh and you know i'm not even scratching the surface here so i i use it for seo i've done you know troubleshooting some code i'm not a programmer by any means but mm. it has helped with you know basic things you know marketing operations productivity software there's there's so copywriting like there's so many different use case scenarios here it's really about experimenting and seeing what it can do for you and how it fits in with your your brand and don't be afraid to look into prompt uh, crafting or prompt engineering to get better results there are frameworks very easy frameworks that you can follow so just uh yeah look up ChatGPT frameworks mm. uh, or prompts to get you started a tool that i use is called ai prm it's a chrome extension it's brilliant it has yeah. prompts in, in built so that's one to to try out yeah but you know I'll, I'll leave it there because I could I can keep talking. No, no, I totally agree, and and I mean, there's endless uh, things to to go on to. I think one of the things that people should go around and play with right now is definitely, as you said, like the combination of GPT and Dali, where basically you have a conversational layer where you don't have to be prompting as specifically as in Midjourney, but you can just talk to it and it will improve the image. Or even like uh, you have a mascot, you know I'm a fan of mascots. You can basically ask it to create a mascot and then use it in different situations and it'll be quite consistent. Uh, and, and so there's a lot there as well, I think, in the future where, and maybe you can talk a bit more about that before I dive into something else, but we, we talked about current use cases, but like in the future, one of the things I see is like where it can become really helpful is actually creating distinctive assets like mm. mascots, sound, um, where it will become very interesting there. I don't know if you see that or other use cases like going two years or five years into the future. Even. You know, there's a reason why people in the industry are leaving the, their roles because they are afraid of the power of AI and where things are going. Mm. We're only just getting access to certain tools right now, but there is uh, much more going under the hood that we don't see. So there's there's a lot. I, I get the the fear behind it, but I also encourage 
playing with the tools that we have available to improve. Uh, but yeah, I think the future of branding is a, another whole topic in itself, which right. yeah, we can get into. No, I agree. I mean, uh, we don't have the glass ball, so so mm. we can only just, as you said, like I think it's smart to to play around with it, and then we'll see what happens. Maybe let's shift the conversation a bit towards another aspect that, like, I'm really interested in, um, and it was interesting to see here. So, measuring the success of branding is, of course, a huge challenge, as we already touched upon. Thirty-four uh, percent of branders said they're not doing it i don't know if there was a specific segment of people saying like that more than other people but like in general how do you tackle measuring the success of your project if you do it and like what are some of the metrics that you think are valuable in in this context yeah there's there's many different ways to measure i don't think we do it enough and as you said 30 34 are not measuring success at all i do want to share some other ways that people do share just so we have context here the number one mm. way is customer satisf satisfaction scores the second number one was brand awareness metrics the third mm. social media interactions uh website traffic and engagement referrals and advocacy uh, customer perception analysts, uh, customer loyalty measurement, uh, market share and sales performance, click-through rates and conversions, or email marketing metrics, which surprisingly was the lowest with only 2.94% of people using email marketing metrics to measure success. So there's a lot of different ways we can, uh, but it's, it can be challenging. It really can, especially brand as an abstract term. We can definitely measure digital interactions, but brand without getting uh, too complex, you know, there are some agencies and research firms that do this at a high level for big brands, but for small businesses, it can be pretty challenging. So I'm curious to your thoughts as well, Seth. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've worked uh, for uh, a number of different companies in different sizes and growth stages. So... I've seen like from the total lack of, you know, knowing anything uh, at a certain point in your business, that's fine because, you know, it is like something where basically uh, if you really want to know, you have to do some kind of tracking, which is yeah. often quite expensive. But uh, what I've seen is in the last years, there are some like interesting proxies and just to get into it like layer one is what is said here is like just knowing whether your customer was happy that's that's basic but it's still better than doing nothing but obviously that doesn't tell you anything about the impact your branding services have had on their their business so uh, i think share of search is an interesting one to look at or like branded traffic is also interesting basically how many people are googling your brand is interesting as a kpi because at least it tells you that people are actively looking for your brand name so there must have been some form of awareness going on obviously you need to check whether that's your your brand name or somebody else's the same brand name so i think like in the, in the search realm there is some because that's actual behavior um you can also again like there's a lot of digital uh, things as you said like where you can get some id but as i've seen there's like dark social is probably and actually that was coming back in the report as well word of mouth was one of the biggest ways that people get new clients in this industry yeah. but in general like 
dark social, the, the most of the, the conversations and how people get to your brand is not trackable or sent in DMs or on places where you're not tracking it. So I think that's a very important one for us to relate to clients, but also to realize ourselves that like a lot of it is happening in the dark, uh, right. which is which is interesting to me. But yeah, I think there is going to be hopefully in a year or two more tools for people to actually understand awareness um, or some form of that. But uh, yeah, Jenny Romanyuk's book recently was very interesting in that aspect as well. Yeah, I, I look forward to those tools. And I know you've, you've interviewed her recently, so I haven't yep. listened to that yet. But what were some of the key takeaways that you, you got from that? Well, I mean, she talks about brand tracking in the traditional way that we think big brands are doing, which is basically what you did with this report is survey uh, a mm -hmm. representative sample uh, and understanding how they, uh, well, and are like aware of your brand linked to category entry points. You know, it's the whole Ehrenberg Pass philosophy. But the thing that, that stood out for me mostly from the book is actually that it's not that hard to do it yourself. You can basically go to SurveyMonkey or any like uh, tool or platform that has built-in audiences, and you can pay them for like a sample of four to five hundred people, which is not that expensive. If it's if that's national, I think for Australia you need more people, but for Belgium that's enough to be uh, representative. And then just add that she basically has a template available uh, for you to use and basically you can start from that. So I think there are ways for small brands to uh, start measuring it. Although probably you'll be disappointed in the sense that yes, awareness will be very low. That's usually the key takeaway from these things. If you're small, your awareness is going to be small. So uh, let's not get our hopes yeah. up uh, as well. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting about surveys. Like if you're using SurveyMonkey, how are you measuring brand awareness if you know they're not your followers or they're not associated with your brand and like you're a small business? I, I... Well... Uh, that's the thing. Uh, first yeah. off, we don't have to get too technical, but um, basically, uh, if it's if if your brand is f f available in a certain market, you can of course like uh, describe a certain audience, and within that, do some some filtering so you make sure that you're not talking to everyone that is not mm -hmm. per se able to buy your brand. But once you have that specific audience, that are just people in that market that could buy your stuff, knowing the percentage of that audience that is aware of you is actually what you need to know to like understand how much potential and how much need there is to grow still in terms of awareness if your goal is to be the market leader for that audience in that region obviously uh that can that can be uh like you can find numbers that you're like you have 0 0.5 or 2 percent awareness and then you know how big the challenge is, but at least you know something, and you have a baseline to 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 work from. And some some companies never get beyond two percent awareness and are doing amazing. So again, like take this all with a grain of salt. Not the goal is not for everyone to reach hundred percent awareness because. According to the science, that would mean that you also have 100% market share, which basically means you're Coca-Cola or something. Uh, <laughs> even Coca-Cola doesn't have 100% yeah, there. there. Yeah. Not, not even close. So, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe let's dive into something else because I, I think, yeah, of course, the tracking is interesting and it's good to see that people are looking into different ways to measure this. But <clears throat> um, I think one of the issues here is, of course, that branding is not per se the 
only thing that needs to happen for awareness to happen. You know, mm -hmm. you, you have a business yourself and you're doing a lot of marketing online. Um, I don't know, offline as well, but maybe like just share, share with the audience as well for you as a branding professionals, like how important has build has it been to build this online presence? I think you have quite a big business and and in like promoting your services and other products like how important has that been versus the core of just like selling branding services and getting word of mouth uh, based on that so you're talking about building a, a brand or a personal brand in in a way yep yeah an online presence so if, in this day and age you know if you're not online where are you so there's <laughs> definitely there's definitely people that aren't offline aren't online sorry and doing well, that's for sure. But the, the vast majority are, are seen online and should be seen online through social media and other avenues. So if you think about it as you know, your social business card, if you will, your online business card, people research you before doing business with you. They want to establish your, how trustworthy you are. Can I trust this person? How much expertise do they have? How much value are they going to bring to my business? And they do this by judging your online presence. How much value are you giving? And yeah, can I trust them? That's basically what it comes down to. If you do this in the offline world, you do that through other means, right? You have your lunches, you build rapport, you build a relationship. And that's how you have to think about your online presence. You're building relationships, relationships with individuals, right? It's not an audience. You're literally building a one-on-one -on -one relationship with others multiple times with many, many people. So that's how you have to think about it. That's what online present, what your online presence is about. It's building mm. relationships and you do that by providing value and content, showing your expertise and showing that you're trustworthy. So 100% all in for building an online presence unless you have really uh, amazing offline skills and a vast network that you can tap into. Well, it doesn't even have to be vast. It just has to be the right network based on how you're positioned, what you're selling and so forth. So yeah, it's a depends answer, but yeah, if I had to choose one, I would definitely say, you know, online presence is a, a strong way to go. Yeah, and I, I think that's like a, a really interesting one because a, a lot of people I know in the branding industry basically rely on, you know, having a good portfolio and then just going from, from one referral to the next, which is also something that came back from the report. And I think what's interesting with you is seeing that you've not only built this, uh, let's say, service company where you're doing some like super interesting branding work for like, I think one of your logos was for the city of San Francisco, but you've worked with a lot of international clients, which I think you're already at that level that, you know, you can really price premium and you have a very nice portfolio, but you're also building a business around, you know, having products and, and other stuff, like maybe walk us through that and in, in like why you think that maybe is important and potentially a route for, for people in the branding industry to, to think about. Yep, absolutely. So I'll give you a little background knowledge so this makes sense uh, because all I said at the start was that I'm into design, branding, and marketing. So to give you more context, Just Creative is my brand design and strategic agency based in Sydney, Australia. But at the same time, it's also a platform for designers and creatives. And there's a community on there. I have a podcast, there's resources, there's a, a bunch of, a uh, bunch of, yeah, resources on there pretty much uh, to help empower creatives and designers and, you know, entrepreneurs in general. 
and you know, there's my portfolio as well. There is, um, I mentioned a community, so I run a community of creatives. So yeah, it's this, it's this hub, right? I sell products as well. I, the blog is a big affiliate uh, revenue driver as well. So we have hundreds of thousands of visitors a month coming to our site. Uh, a, a big affiliate-driven uh, model there. You know, we recommend products and we get a cut if you're unfamiliar with affiliate marketing. Mm. So for the context, this is my home, right? It's my online business card. And it's not just my brand and services. It's literally all those things, podcast, community, resources, everything. And that's my brand. So there's lo- I have my hands in different pies and that all, you know, there's different revenue streams. There's different ways I can provide value. I call myself a bit of a creative drifter because I, <laughs> I do go in between probably too many things for my own good, but I'm, very, I'm a very curious person. I love exploring. I love trying new things and I'm always dabbling in, in the latest tech. So yeah, it's, it's about doing what you want and I call that creative freedom. And that's really my dream is to be free to do what I want in terms of creativity and uh, travel and work and everything. So taking a step back, what this online presence do- does, it enables me to do the things that I love doing. So mm. it's basically business. It's a platform. It's all those good things. So rather than just thinking about it as an online presence, think about it as like a creative freedom enabler, if you will. And that's how I see it. And that's really a big part of my brand it's about curiosity freedom empowerment and that kind of trickles down to all those things i mentioned so that's mm. how i see it uh whether or not that gives you value i'm not sure but that's how i approach it no no i mean uh, obviously there's just the, the the simple takeaway of like diversify your offering uh so you can not you don't always have to rely on like that core of designing logos or brand identity or, or the full branding package. I think that's already interesting. But as you said, like eventually it leads to an outcome, which for you is, is that freedom, which I think is very important. It's something I, I also pursue. Um, I think that's, that's great. And people should look into that. And, and like maybe one, uh, it's maybe a specific question, but like you do have two audiences here, which is on mm. the one hand, you have, the design uh whatever marketing audience that is listening that is interested in in this whole brand building stuff and then you obviously have clients like how are you dealing with that segmentation how you're looking at that yeah it's it's a blessing and a curse and traditionally i have used seo or search engine optimization to be the driver of my uh traffic and my leads Mm -hmm. And I've used my social media more to uh, talk to clients and designers. Things are changing in the landscape, in the SEO landscape right now. It's getting very challenging and competitive. And those those methods are uh, becoming increasingly more difficult um, to get more traffic to my site. So basically what I'm Mm -hmm. saying is that traffic is declining right now and it's getting more competitive. So things are changing. But yeah, ultimately I serve... uh, there's two different audiences in different ways. One is through mm. search and the other is through uh, social media. But increasingly, they're getting more intermingled and it's not necessarily a good thing. It does half the work, but it also means I have less focus. So mm. it's, uh, like I said, blessing and a curse. And I'm very aware of that. Yeah, I mean, I think on the what you are doing like very well is you are, you know, you have a funnel 
and top of the funnel you're you're trying to you know make both of, or you could say your single audience is people that are interested in in brands whether that's yeah. clients or designers and you're building top of the funnel content on social media and stuff to get people into that funnel and then you're probably segmenting them more into different product offerings and and buy other digital channels so in a way i think what you're doing is 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 really interesting and for a lot of people just thinking about branding i think this is really more about looking at at your business as a business and not just this yeah. this one thing so i think that's inspiring maybe uh, to wrap it up final question like let's say we're doing the state of brand in uh, 20 2030 what has changed for you positively that you think like where are we as a branding industry uh, like maybe just an idea that you would love to share here well, let's go to the report actually and see what others said about the future of brand and ah. how they feel about it because we did have a section on the future of brand and right. yeah let's let's talk about it so some quotes i'll pull pull out uh let's say someone said it feels like it gets more competitive year on year ai is an obvious threat including the creative sector uh embrace the tools or get left behind uh, another person said, I have mixed feelings. Yes, AI can help me facilitate my work, but it won't f fully sub substitute my work tools. On the other hand, there are people that are automating their work and lessening the value of people like me. So people are, you know, feel great about it, but also a little bit fearful of it. But it's all mm -hmm. new, right? Yeah. And let me just scroll a little bit further. Just bear with me. No worries. All right. So what do you consider important for the future of branding? This was a question we had in, in it. And surprisingly, well, the top two were authenticity and personalization <laughs> and then purpose-driven branding, about 18 14 and 13% respectively. So this was interesting. So authenticity, if we break that down, it's like, well, why is this the, the most important thing moving forward? And I think it's because of, you know, so many things of recent you know sustainability and greenwashing and you know the facade of brands saying one thing and you know you look behind closed doors and they're totally different and showing up in a fake way people can see through that these days so i think mm. you know when i break it down maybe it's not too surprising that people want that authentic uh authenticity in a brand or at least in people yeah. and it's increasingly um more challenging to see that especially with ai and generated images and deep fakes and chat gpt and you know you don't know who's writing what and what true expertise is so it's getting increasingly more rare to understand what's true or what is authentic so that's i think um going to be a big trend as we move forward and like understanding what truly is authentic what is you know real even it's yeah. those lines are increasingly getting more blurred the second one, personalization, I think is uh, really key. It's not just, well, how I see personalization, just to give context here, is, you know, the experience or of, uh, you know, of an experience or of a product. So mm -hmm. how can an experience be personalized to each individual? You know, in a digital context, you know, Amazon does a great job of this based on your tracking and purchase history and so forth. Or another example is, you know, Nike, you can customize your shoes and personalize it. Or um, tools like Spotify, they, they 
do a summary of your yeah. uh, your listening habits and you can share that and you know they drive user growth that way and you know people do their promoting so there's this like constant loop and you know it works for everyone it's mm. um, you know it's a personalized experience so i think that is definitely going to be a key for the future authenticity and personalization i think you know our respondents who who tick this were pretty on on the money in my opinion yeah and the third one sorry the last one no, no. the purpose-driven branding so this has gotten a bad wrap of years because everything has gone you know everything's purpose and people have under, misunderstood what it is and how to integrate into a brand and you know often like had to have these big worldly purpose-driven problems and i know that's a whole other other conversation but you know i like to bash purpose jacob <laughs> yes i know <laughs> i know uh however i do think there is some um validity if that's a word <laughs> mm-hmm. it, uh because you know the reason why we do something can help uh, align people internally and externally and working towards something bigger than you know selling a product or uh, you know, a bigger idea of solving a bigger problem, I think is important as we move forward as a, a culture, as a, you know, as, as, a, as a planet, really, mm. as together. So, yeah, I'll leave it at those top three. Wow. That was a, a, like an, an interesting point. And, and actually, like, because one of my questions was about these uh, three areas where I didn't see the connected dots yet. I was like, okay, authenticity, pers- personalization. But now, actually, maybe we are post rationalizing anyway i think it's a it's a nice way it's a nice way to frame it it's like authenticity is like there there was this recent study by ipsos and uh, uh jkr which was like about the power of you which links basically to distinctiveness like mm. be, like looking like you and consistently showing up like you is a very i think it's a key function of branding and then that second part about personalization, I think it's interesting in a way that if you can find that like whatever voice and looking like you and you can you can uh, distribute that at scale but make it feel personal, that's very powerful as well. And then the purpose thing is like what you said, it's like, why are you actually doing this business stuff and connecting that to how you look like and how you talk to people? is very interesting and very powerful so i agree it's not uh, it's not anything negative as long as you actually do it in an authentic way so maybe there's a, an interesting framework there <laughs> yeah well, well they are interlinked yeah. voila for sure um jacob for the people uh, that want to talk to you or find your stuff where should they go yes justcreative.com is where you can connect with me uh, all my social links are on there i pretty much have all the handles as just creative you can connect with me on LinkedIn as Jacob Cass as the user. But yeah, if you want to check out the state of brand report, I would just go to justcreative.com and type in state of brand. You'll find the link there. You can also find the brand bot by doing the same thing. Type in brand bot and you'll find the links there. You can probably even put this in the show notes, Steph, uh, as well. For just sure, to make it I will. Easier. And yeah, but just creative. That's the simplest way. All right, that was it for this episode. As always, I really appreciate you listening or watching the show. If you like it, please um, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or wherever you're listening. If you're interested in learning more about brand strategy, visit branding.courses and you can use the code LTBpodcast to get a 20% discount. 
Also, if you want to see the transcript for this episode, you can visit letstarkbranding.substack.com and also subscribe to the email list there to get updated on any new shows or other content. Thanks, take care, and see you in the next episode.